40 days and through the cold and through the night. Though they said, let's turn back. Moses said, go ahead and let us inside. There will be no there in that tomorrow. We will be there by and by. Amen, honey. That's where going. Go we walk through valleys, oh, we climb high mountains, he must not give up the fight. We must be like Moses, we must keep on the path and just inside. There will be no sorrow there in that tomorrow, we will be there by and by. We'll catch him blowing, that is where I go I hope Canaan Land's in sight for you. And again, we understand that that song's not scripturally sound. We get it. Some of you are out there going, that's not even scripturally sound. Canaan represents the victorious Christian life. Well, you're right. It does. What a great song anyway. <laughs> I love that little song. I like it. I like it a lot. When I sing it, I think about heaven, though. I understand what it means, doctrinally, but I sure enjoy thinking about heaven, too. Well, what a wonderful place it's going to be. Amen? Amen. All right, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 through 27. Let's take a look over there, and while you're turning there, I, I want to share just something with you. I was so discouraged this morning, so awfully discouraged in my singles class, as I began to share with them, and they just for some reason could not enjoy uh, or embrace what I was sharing, and I, I was trying to tell them, that's right, they could not understand, they couldn't get it. Thank you, Brother Richard. I was trying to tell them that the butcher backed up into the meat grinder and got a little behind in his work. And for some reason, they didn't find that in the least bit amusing. Not in the least. I, I was kind of surprised. I guess uh, I almost said something I would regret. But anyway, I think Santa has riverfront property in, in Brazil. You say, why in the world do you think Santa has riverfront property in Brazil? Well, all our presents came from Amazon this year. Did you know that atheism is a non-profit organization? That's how they responded. You know, two hats were hanging on a hat rack in the hallway. One hat says to the other, you stay here. I'll go on ahead. And finally, did you know there's a new type of broom that came out? It's sweeping the nation. See, I had to share those because they just couldn't get it. I don't know why. It just seemed that they weren't quite into it. It's some of the best that I've ever shared with them. They just could not get it. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 through 27. <clears throat> chapter 4, verses 23 through 27. We're entering into a new year, and I always am excited about the new year. Now, I enjoyed Christmas, and I enjoyed my Christmas, and I enjoyed just that opportunity to be around family and friends and others. But I want to tell you, I look forward to the new year. Not only that, but to be frank with you and honest with you, I struggle with my schedule being upset. 
I know some people aren't nearly as structured, maybe, but I find myself going, boy, I almost can't wait till we get back to normalcy. Uh, you may not be that way, but I like to know, I'm getting up this time, I'm going to be at work this time, I'm going to go to here, I'm going to do this, do that. Uh, that makes me feel secure and safe. <clears throat> I'm not really good with spontaneity, I guess. But uh, I do enjoy the, so I'm looking forward to the new year, getting back on track, getting things moving again, and with the expectation of what the new year brings. I'm looking forward to that as well. So anyway, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, as we look forward to the new year. And as believers, let's learn something that will help us as we move forward in 2018. Beginning verse 23, the Bible says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and thine eyes look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy works be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Proverbs is often referred to as the wisdom book, and for good reason. The writer of this particular book is Solomon. Solomon, whose reputation goes before him. Solomon, whose wisdom is unparalleled. We're reminded of that in Scripture. Look, if you would, in Second Chronicles chapter 1. As we consider this wise man in the Word of God and in history. Notice what it says in Second Chronicles chapter 1, beginning in verse 7. Solomon taking over the position of king in Israel. Receiving that position uh, in succession of his father, David. Notice here he is asking for some things. In that night, verse 7, 2 Chronicles 1, In that night did God appear unto Solomon and said unto him, Ask what I shall give thee. Can you imagine if God came to you at night and simply said, Ask what I can give you. What do you want from me? Can you imagine how you would respond to that? Can you think for just a moment what your answer would be to that? Well, let's consider Solomon's response. And Solomon said unto the God, in verse 8, Thou hast shewed great mercy unto David my father, and hast made me to reign in his stead. Now, O Lord God, let thy promise unto David my father be established. For thou hast made me king over a people like the dust of the earth and all the dew. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. What an amazing request, is it not? Of all the things that he could have asked for, given opportunity here to do, he instead asked for something that we would say, many would say, well, I don't, you know, I'll just take the money. I'll just take the health. I'll just take life everlasting, so to speak. I'll live forever. Or, yeah, well, he doesn't ask that. He asks for something that, well, sadly, most of us probably wouldn't ask for if given the opportunity in a given moment. Give me now, verse 10, wisdom and knowledge. Why? He says that I may go out and come in before this people, people that is so great. And God said to Solomon, because this was in thine heart, and thou hast not asked riches, wealth, or honor, nor in life, the life of thine enemies, neither yet hast asked long life, but hast asked wisdom and knowledge for thyself, that thou mayest judge my people whom, uh, over whom I have made thee king. Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee. And I will give thee riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had that have been before thee, neither shall there any after thee have the like. We see here that Solomon is a very wise man. And this morning we're reading from a passage that he, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, authored or wrote. And here in this passage we note him advising his son, giving him some instruction, trying to aid him or help him in life. 
And basically instructs him in verse 23 to be very careful what he permits in and out. To be very careful how that heart grows and where it ends up and how it's going to proceed and, 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 and how it's going to manifest itself. He says, listen, you need to be very careful to guard your heart. Number two, he says, you better cast off some sin. Especially the sin that comes as a result of this mouth. The words we say, the things we say, uh, the people we attack with it and all of those things. How we may judge or how we may go forth and unwisely use our tongue. He says, cast off that sin. Then also in verse 25, he says, you need to remain focused. Remain focused. Verse 4 and then verse 26, he says, you need to, to settle your course, son. Settle that thing. And finally, in the last verse, he says, you've got to stay on track. So he advises him, guard your heart, cast off sin, remain focused, settle your course, and stay on track. That's advice for him. And that's good advice for all of us today, isn't it? That's some pretty good advice. Now, I want you to take your Bible, look over the book of Matthew now, chapter 7, verse 13. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. As he ends his... Instruction here in verse chapter 4, he says, Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Notice here in Matthew 7, a very familiar passage. It says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. See, the very moment that you and I are saved, we're placed on a pathway leading to life everlasting. The world, the Bible tells us that the world, as we are born, we're born into a world, we're born into a body, we're born into a future of, on a wide path that leads to destruction. That's a reality of life. But the Bible teaches us the moment that we receive Christ by faith, the moment we put our trust in Him, the reality is we're taken off that broad path, we're placed on a narrow path. And that path leads to life everlasting. Well, I'm glad today that I'm on my way to heaven. I'm glad I've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm glad that it's not of works, but it's of Him and His grace and mercy. However, in a practical sense, we all have a path to travel today in our life. Well, I know if you're saved, you're going to end up at the same destination I will. I realize that you're going to be saved forever and ever and ever and ever and end up in a place called heaven. I know you're going to be with Christ one day if indeed you trusted and received Him as your Savior. But may I ask you a question? How will you travel in this life? How will you fare in this life? Solomon is telling his son in the end of the passage, turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Listen, guard your heart. Cast off sin. Remain focused. Settle your course. And once you find that course, you stay on it. Don't get off track. Turn not. Let's be honest. (laughs) That's much easier said than done today, isn't it? It's always been easier said than done. It's not hard to say I'm a Christian. It's not hard to tell my my experience of coming to Christ. It's not hard to give my testimony of how Jesus Christ died on Calvary for my sin and I repented of my sin turning to the Lord Jesus. It's not hard to do that. But it's sure hard to walk a straight path afterwards. 
sure hard to make sure I don't turn to the left or to the right. It's difficult to get to that destination without straying or wandering or going off course. That's the real battle, isn't it? And as we look forward to 2018 as believers, we have to ask ourselves some questions and we have to face some realities. We have to realize that it's not going to be an easy trek. It's not going to be an easy path. It's going to be, uh, you know, often landmine after landmine, bump after bump and ridge after ridge. And the temptation will be to get off the path and to maybe take a siesta or a rest or to relax a little bit or possibly go another direction because, let's face it, The Christian life is not the path of least resistance. And the truth is that each of us could express reasons why we struggle with remaining consistent in our Christian lives. We can come up with all kinds of reasons. I mean, we could even convince ourselves that our failures are to be expected. That I guess God understands. I mean, why not? We're just flesh. We're just human, right? So our failures are to be expected. God, I guess you just have to live with it. Deal with it. Don't we sometimes face our life that way? Well, I know my marriage isn't what it ought to be, but I guess you don't understand how many hours I work, and you don't know how hard I try to keep it going, and you don't know. Yeah, I know, but your marriage still isn't what it's supposed to be. What are you going to do about it? I just hope it goes away. Hope it gets better. Hope everything resolves itself. It doesn't work that way. We convince ourselves, well, we're just simply human. What are we going to do about it? Of course I'm going to falter. Of course I'm going to fail. Of course I'm going to take a turn left or turn right. Of course I'm going to fail in following the path straight into heaven. Well, the fact remains, however, that you and I are equipped and capable of being victorious. We really are. Take your Bible, look over at the book of John, chapter 14, verse 16. The Bible teaches that we are indwelt. We have a power source much greater than ourselves that is available to us. John chapter 14, the Lord Jesus Christ speaking to His disciples prior to His departure says to them in chapter 14, verse 16 through 18, And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter. Up to that point, He was the comforter. They were in their confusion or they'd come to Jesus Christ who would comfort them and meet their every need. But Jesus said, listen, I'm sorry, I'm going to be leaving. I'm sorry, but I'm going to go to Jerusalem and they're going to mistreat me and they're going to malign me and they're going to ultimately place me on a cross and I'm going to die. But I will. I won't be here to comfort you. I want you to know I'll send another comforter. That he may abide with you forever. Verse 17, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I'll not leave you comfortless, I'll come to you. He's talking about the Spirit of God. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Listen, I will come to you in the person of the Holy Spirit. I'll know you and I'll be in you. Well, now that's a power source. Because, see, not only are we indwelt, but we're empowered by that same Spirit. Look, if you will, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. 
we often sell God short. But in the same point, we, we don't look at it that way. We look at it kind of like we sell ourselves short. Well, you just don't understand. I can't overcome that sin in my life. It's bigger than me. It's more powerful than me. Yeah, but what about Jesus? Is it more powerful than Him? You name the name of Christ. You claim to have Him as Savior. Then I want you to understand this morning that He lives in you. And if He lives in you, He is accessible to you. Notice what he says in 1 John 4, 4. Ye are of God, little children. We're certainly grateful for that. And have ultimate as greater peace is in you than he who is in the world. Jesus reminded the disciples of this great truth before he ascended back to the Father. And he said in John 14, verse 12, just prior to the verses we read a little bit ago, Verily, verily, I send you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Wow, we have unlimited power in the Spirit of God. We're capable in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish all things that Christ gives us to do. That includes following a path that's straight. That includes keeping our eyes forward and not looking to the left or right and straying left or right. The Apostle reminds us of that truth again in Romans 8.37 when he says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Turn to the right hand or to the left, he says. And as we enter 2018, may I say as believers, we need to be very aware of the need to remain on the straight and narrow. You say, well, that's good, I get it, and I understand the need for it, but how do I keep from turning then? I'm so glad you asked. That's a wonderful question. Let's take just a moment and have a quick word of prayer, and then I'll give you just a couple thoughts, okay? And we'll be done today. Father, we come to you. We need you. We love you. We thank you. Lord, may you help us as we face life not to turn left or right as believers, but to stay on your pathway, not to get sidetracked, not to be distracted, if you will. Lord, we need your help. How many believers, Lord, have strayed? How many have gone asunder? Lord, help us that are in this place today and maybe those that are listening abroad to stay straight, to keep on going for you and not to turn left or right. Well, thank you. In Christ's name, amen. The children of Israel had experienced a wonderful and miraculous victory in Jericho. An amazing victory, a, a supernatural victory, a miraculous one indeed. Sadly, their battle against Ai was not quite as victorious. <laughs> Didn't turn out quite as good. As a matter of fact, Ai was a much lesser opponent. They were not even in the same ballpark with this particular nation and city they just defeated. But nonetheless, in spite of all of that, Ai defeated Israel. Israel come running home with their tail between their legs, running for the hills, trying to get away from Ai. What in the world happened? How could that possibly, from this great city, Jericho, a little AI, a great victory, a major defeat on the other? Well, one man is given credit for all of it. His name, Achan. Achan is going to be addressed by Joshua. 
It seems that Achan, through the course of this battle, chose to disregard God's law. I had told them that if you, anyone, if anything there, it'll be the accursed thing. Anything, any precious metal goes into the, the, into the, 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 the nation's coffers, if you will, but everything else is to be destroyed. And you as a soldier, you as a follower, are not to take anything, and if you do, it'll be a curse. Oh my. It's chapter 7, verse 20 through 21. And Achan answered and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord of Israel. He eventually gets caught. I don't have time to go through the whole account, but ultimately, because of this and that and this and that, he whittles it down and whittles it down, and pretty soon comes to Achan, and, and Achan finally confesses his sin. I wonder what he did or how he got to where he put us into deep sin. None of us are I just can't wait to wreck and ruin lives. I can't wait to wreck and ruin my life. I don't think most of us intentionally. How many lives have been broken and torn? How many people have paid the price because of our sin? And Achan is an example of this. You see, I thought we were talking about not turning. Yes, I want you to note a very important phrase here. Notice it says in verse 21, When I saw... Now notice he said, against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done, when I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment, and two hundred shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold of fifty shekels weight, then I coveted... You know what he ultimately did with them? He hid them. Wait a second. What happened here, Achan? Can you help me understand why you would allow yourself to ultimately affect an entire nation and cause men and women to suffer. Well, it all started with a glance. I mean, I was in there, and I mean to tell you, I was hacking and swinging, and I was thinking at it. And then all I saw. I can imagine, I can say, well, I kind of walked by at first, and I kind of, Huh. Wow. That stuff's just sitting there for the taking. We know he cut it. He wanted my gods. And yet he took it. And as a result, including his family suffered as a result of his sin. Wait a second. How did it all happen, Achan? Because he advised glance. See, I don't think really first, I don't think seeing it in and of itself was wrong. But hold on. And this caused him to look again. In Judges chapter 14, verse 1 through 3, the Bible says, And Samson went down to Nacol, a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. He saw a woman. Hold on. And he came up and told his father and mother and said, I have seen... A woman in Timothy. Now they'll go get her. That's how it's supposed to work. Your parents are supposed to obey you. That's right. Then his father and mother said unto him, Is it among the daughters of thy brethren or among all my people that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? Can't you just keep eyes here? Can't you just focus on our nation? Can't you be content with the girls that God has provided in your circle? Why do you have to go outside and look at the Philistines? How come you got to go out to the land? Can't you just find one here in the house of God? He's whoa. Hold on. What's his reply? Samson said unto his father, Get her for me. Please me well. Are you kidding me? Where that all began? 
he saw. He saw something. It all started with a glance. Understandably so. He was in the wrong place probably. He shouldn't have been where he was. I get it. He should have never looked back after he saw. Wow. Because no way a guy can look at a girl and not notice if she's pretty or not. By the way, ladies, your husband can't help but be looking at her. Duh. He's not trying. Maybe he just walks by. Can't help but notice. By the way, guys, girls notice things too. The question isn't, did they notice? The question is, did they gaze? And then it's like, well, I'm not going to show you what you should do later. Very uh, pro-wife when it comes to that. But anyway, Samson said, hey, she pleased with me. Oh, hold on. That's what the problem was. He saw something. Hey, you could look at David's life. Remember when the king of David stayed behind. Do you know what the Bible tells us? It says, it goes on to say this. And it came to pass, and an eagle from off his bed walked to his house, and from the saw a woman. Guys, they get us into so much trouble. You say, well, you still haven't answered the question. How do we keep from turning? I mean, turn not to the right hand or to the left. How do we keep from turning? Well, what I guess I'm saying to begin with, and then I'll tell you. But here it is. If there's one thing that trips us up more than any other, it's what we're looking at. It's what we're focused on. It's not the hurt and the heartache that comes our way. It's none of those things. It's our eyes. Getting our eyes on. causes us to turn left and turn right. So, how do we keep from turning? I have three things. Number one, by keeping our eye on the Savior. You say, I know where you're going with this one. I know. Well, let's practice it. Let's work on this. Let's not dismiss it. Let's not, I already know that stuff. I know where he's going next. He's probably got three S's and I can figure them all out. You're absolutely right. I do have three S's and you probably know exactly what all three are. But may I say it's not a, it's about what you practice. And may I say there's not a man in this room or a woman in this room that doesn't need what I've got to give you today from God's Word. It's unbelievable how we're wrecking and ruining our Christian lives. And yet we got it all figured out. I don't need, uh, I don't, I don't need organized religion. I don't need to go to church. You don't need this. Right, you're you're different than me. You don't need to be able to figure it out, right? I don't. Guess what? And here they are, keeping our eyes on the Savior. We're going into 2018. You better keep your eyes on the Savior. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12, one through two. I'm telling you, that tempted. Hebrews 12 verses one through two. Wherefore, we also are compassed to obey a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which just so easily beset us, and let us run looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now, what he's expressing here, and it's like there is a race to run, there is a course to keep, and we are to be on that course. And the Bible describes it as one that is to be straight. We're not to look to the left. We're not to look to the right. How are we going to do? It's a perfect illustration of this. Here's God. And here's the world. And may I say to you today that I can't help but walk in today. But I can tell you one thing. If I just look down a little bit at the world, if I look up just a little bit, I see ugliness like you can't believe right now. That's sound booth. Those boys are hurting. But that's not who I have to look at to keep my life right. I've got to look to Jesus. Amen? So I'm walking and I've got to be careful I don't look to the world. I've got to make sure I keep my eyes on Jesus. Because if not, guess what's going to happen? 
I'm going to turn left. I'm going to turn right. I'm going to get enamored with the world. And I'm going to get off course. And listen, let's be honest. We've all been off course to some degree or another in our life. And honestly, if we would really, 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 really be honest right now, we're not what we'd probably like to be if we'd be honest. There's even a little bit of a turn in all of our hearts and lives if we're honest. And we're fighting it and we're saying, oh God, God, help me! It's when you stop asking for help and you give up and you just run up the white flag and surrender to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. That's when the real problem comes. He's on the same page. just the author and finisher of our faith. Keep your eyes on the Scriptures. Well, you know, Jesus keeping them on the Scripture, the Word of God. With God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. We ultimately know that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory. So the Word of God and the Scriptures are one and the same. You can't help but read the Word of God. If you want to keep your eyes on Jesus, don't tell me. Don't tell me you don't have time for your Bible. Don't tell me you don't memorize Scripture. Don't tell me you don't have a place for the Word of God in your life. But I'm following Jesus. i got my eyes on Him. No, you don't. No, 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 no you don't. You might hear Come on, how in the world can we say that, that, that the Word of God became flesh? The Word of God, the Word of God, the Word of God became flesh. Jesus Christ. I got my eyes with His Word. I ain't got time for that. But I'm following Jesus. Got my eyes on the Lord, preacher. God's good. Oh, yeah, okay. You can fool some of the people some of the time. All, wait, you can fool some of the people all the time. All the people some of the time. But you can't fool mom. I mean Jesus. We used to say mom. Mom knew. No, he knows if that's us. He knows. Hold on. The scriptures, 16, 17. We're almost done, really. I mean it. So if I'm going to keep from turning, I'm not going to go left or right. I'm going to obey the advice that's given by the wisest man that ever lived. I need to keep my eye on the Scriptures. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scriptures given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect in all good works. That word doctrine there means what is right. This is God's word. It's not our word. It's his word. And it's profitable for some things. First of all, it's profitable for doctrine. It expresses and explains and shares what is right. It also is profitable for reproof. It shows me what is wrong. And not only that, but it's it's profitable for correction. It helps me to know how to get right. I know if I call them, I need to know how how am I going to get right. And then finally, instruction, how to stay right. It is profitable for those things. For doctrine, reproof, correction. It tells me what's right, tells me what's wrong, tells me how to get right, tells me how to stay right. No. Haven't read my Bible in about three weeks. Haven't had time to get in the Word of God. My eyes are on Jesus. Okay. I'm not trying to make people feel bad. That's not my goal. I'm not trying to shame you into anything. I'm not asking for hands. I'm not trying to get you to admit something to everybody. Be honest with ourselves and with the God that saved us. Psalm 119, verse 105, and a light unto you. Be ye doers of the word and not only deceiving our own selves. Finally, if you want to keep from turning, keep your eye on the sky. Turn, if you would, to Titus chapter 2, verse 11. 
we got the Lord Jesus Christ and we're to keep our eye on the author and finisher. We can't allow ourselves to look to the left or look to the ourselves to look down or look up, uh, look, look down. We got to keep looking up. We got to keep our eye on the scriptures, the word of God, and we must keep our eye. That's where he's coming from. Titus 11, for the grace of God hath appeared to all men. Aren't you glad that anybody, everybody can be saved? Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteousless, and godly in this present world. I'm going to say something. You don't have to agree with what I'm going to say in a minute. That's fine. You can correct it with God when you get up there. Fix Him. But I want you to think about this. How is it possible somebody could say that somebody can't be saved? How, how could somebody ever say that? You know, there are people saying that's junk. Oh, it doesn't require repentance. It doesn't require turning from sin, but no, homosexual can't be saved. You're nuts. You're out of your mind. That's so inconsistent. That doesn't even make good common sense. Let alone Bible sense. I'm so glad that it's not my, my duty or my work or my actions that saved me. It's all what he did on Calvary on behalf of my sin. I'm glad it's his blood that saved me. And by the way, guess what? It's his blood that saves anybody that's in sin. And by the way, what makes my sin any less than someone else's? Are you serious? God has this scale. Well, if you commit this sin, this sin, this sin, or this sin, no way. What nothing to do with you? Out. But if you commit this sin, then, eh, well, I'm okay with that sin. Makes sense. Just thought I'd bring it up. We're entering a new year. Let's keep our doctrine straight. But nonetheless, keeping our eye on the Savior, keeping our eye on the Scriptures, keeping our eye on the sky. In Titus again, once again, he brings salvation to all men. He appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness will be surely righteousness and godly in this present world. What's he saying? You've got to be doing this. You can't be doing this. That, I mean, that's as simple as it is, right? That's what he's saying here in the passage right now. Teaching us to denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Watch. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you something. You're going to keep going forward. Savior, come in the Scripture. He's coming back for me. He's coming back. It's important that we do this. If we hope to turn... Keep our eyes on the Savior. We keep our eyes on. We got to keep our eye on the eye. He's coming back. Verse two. As I close this, and having paid the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom. Looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I was just eight years of age. I was reminded of this story the other day. But I was playing football as an eight-year-old, and I think the helmet was as big as me. I had glasses on, so I had to have a big old face mask, and so I wore this helmet with a huge face mask. I went to my waist. As an eight-year-old, I was playing wing back. Wing back, you're set just a little bit outside of the tackle and end, so you're, you're kind of stuck out here, at least as little kids. You have three linemen here in a center. A center with the ball snaps the ball, and then the wing back. We decided to do a double reverse. I was the double man. As an eight-year-old, I remember the, the handoff in the backfield. He handed it off, and here come the other end around. And I took off this way. There was one kind of double. I took it. Down the field I started. I was moving like gangbusters. I was lighting it up. The grass was flying behind me. I was so fast. I was about 10 or 15 yards ahead of every single person. I was on my way. And I looked back and saw another young man 
with a helmet that was only heavy, come running after me, and I ran. I ran. I got all the way down to the 10-yard line, and I looked back, and he was already there on me. He tackled me, and I fell at the hard line. Five yards I ran as an eight-year-old on a football field. Come up five yards short of the goal. And my dad yelled out, oh, That's my boy! No, he didn't do that. But anyway, I, I, I couldn't be short of the goal line. I still remember going home. My dad said, Well, son, that was one extra word. Let me give you a piece of advice. Never look back. Never look back. Jesus Christ. As far as the east, it's been removed. It's gone by the blood of Jesus Christ. God never looked back. Look back. Put your eyes on the scripture. Keep your eyes One day, you'll fall into the arms of the one who saved you. And you'll hear him say, Well done. Well done. Oh, do we long to hear that. I wonder today, do you even know Christ as your Savior? Do you know that 2,000 years ago, He died on a cruel cross for you? We celebrated the day that He came to earth as a baby, as an angel. But He grew to be a man, sinless and perfect. God, man, Emmanuel, God with us. And He died on that cross to pay your sin. He shed His precious blood in your place. He took your place. And He paid your penalty by dying on the cross so that you could be free from the penalty. And yet, now, having a relationship with Him and placed on a different pathway, one that leads to life everlasting. One day, if you died this very moment, would you be in the presence of Jesus or would you find yourself hell? Ultimately, to be cast, in chapter 20, into a place called the Lake of Fire. To receive Him while there's still time. To acknowledge His reality. That God is in the heavens and that Jesus died for our sin. That He paid that price. I don't want to do it myself. I want to honor Him instead of self. I trust and receive Him in my life right now. If you've never done that, why don't you say before it's eternally too late. And if you're a child of God, make a, make a decision today. Keep your eyes on the Savior in the Scriptures and on the side. As we move into 2018, will you do that? Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, you bless us today in this time of invitation even, Lord, and help us, Lord, to be receptive to you and yielded to your leadership. Lord, there may be someone here that has yet to receive and accept Jesus as Savior and Lord. They are lost without Jesus Christ. They're still in their sin. And if they would die right now, they would have to stand before you, a sinner, 